McCaffrey out for the game. What? What? Live from the Live Loud studios in Fayetteville, Arkansas, it's the Vampire Journals podcast, starring Turd Ferguson and Smokin' Jay Cutler, featuring Mr. Solo Dolo and Deacon Dorf. Tonight's musical guest, the Bonafex Trees. And your host, Stan Pyre, the Vampire. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Why couldn't that happen last week? Wow. Yeah. Hamstring. Yep. Good for Kurt. Oh, I see McCaffrey walking out to the locker room right now. He's walking real slow. But also, I can't tell if they put that in at the end. Why would they put his injured walk to the locker room in slow-mo? I swear to God, they went to commercial in (laughs) slow-mo. That's what happened, bro. Thursday Night Football is like a lie. They're just trying to make it as good as possible. The JV camera crew. Breaking news out of Houston, Texas. Christian McCaffrey has left the building. McCaffrey has exited the field. Approximately five minutes left to play in the first half of the Thursday night matchup between the Panthers and the Texans. So, Quinn, let's go ahead and jump directly into the week three matchup between Deacon Dorf and Jay Cutler in the Vampire League. Huge shakeup, Daniel. I mean, uh, I'm so happy that we were recording this show tonight during the game and we could respond live to this because this just changes the way it could go for the rest of the season, not only this week, but, you know, for the rest of the season. Yeah, interesting. He went out with a hamstring injury. So McCaffrey provided Steven with six fantasy points before exiting the matchup. Currently, as stands... One and one Deakendorf projects to outscore two and oh smoking Jay Cutler to a tune of 147 to 137.1. Quinn, tell me how much does this change the matchup for Kurt, who also has DJ Moore going with 16 fantasy points heading into halftime? Yeah, this is a direct one-on-one matchup in which one player for Carolina is going to keep scoring points, hopefully the rest of the night. And Steven's done, essentially, uh, at that position with six points. So he's going to need to make it up somewhere else. He potentially could. Uh, He's got Aaron Jones and Kyler Murray sandwiched right around Christian McCaffrey at the top of his lineup. Um, So I think it's possible that he could make that ground up uh, to speak negatively against Kurt. Uh, He does have Ezekiel Elliott, who's been sharing time more with uh, Tony Pollard this season. Dalvin Cook is questionable, uh, just like he was in your team in the other league, Daniel. And then uh, he's got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey going in to play the Chargers at home this weekend. And that could be his saving grace. But if they don't blow up, 
and they just have consistent games uh, for their position, um, he might have uh, trouble uh, taking this win uh, for certain. Yeah. So before we continue to look forward, Quinn, I want to ask you to take a look backwards in time with me. And let's take a look at the week two matchups. They've provided a lot of excitement, a lot of scoring, and create a lot of interesting storylines heading into week three of the vampire season. Now, as the vampire, I was. <laughs> All right, Quinn, before we continue to look forward, I want to ask you to take a look back in time with me to the week two matchups in the vampire league. They provide a lot of excitement a lot of scoring and create a lot of dialogue for the storylines that we could see carry on throughout the season. Uh, so let's start off with your matchup of Bonifex trees against turd Ferguson, Robbie Courtway heading into the matchup. Both of you guys were Owen one put up a decent score week one and Robbie was quite underwhelming failing to score a hundred points in the week one matchup. Uh, week two kind of saw the tables turn for Robbie. Uh, tell us what happened in your head-to-head -head against Moose. You know, Daniel, it just—I, it just feels like 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 Robbie put his stank on me this week, and uh, I only scored a hundred points. And uh, oh but my god, you did guys. break a hundred. Yeah, credit there. Yeah, broke a hundred. Robbie didn't. So if I would have played Robbie last week, I would have beat his ass. Um, you would have so beat him by five points. Huge yeah. margin. That's a huge margin. Um, it's a five percent margin over hundred points. True, and I feel like that was about the same percentage margin that he won by uh, this week. So. Yeah, close. Robbie defeated Quinn the tune of 175.26 to 100.92 mm. now uh i did say robbie underwhelmed in week one people were a little nervous about players like derrick henry Devonte adams uh but he saw those players break out in a big way adams with 20 points on monday night but of course henry breaking out well before then on sunday afternoon with 47.7 fantasy points uh, Robbie's got the luxury of Cooper Cup in the flex. Got him 36 this past weekend. Kyle Pitts went into double digits after a poor week one. Uh, so he's still waiting on Antonio Gibson to break out, waiting on White Culpepper to get out of his funk. But uh, I'm sure nobody's happier than Robbie after week one. Putting up 175, highest score of the weekend, highest score of the season for the Vampire League. Uh, yeah, Quinn, strong you, statement, right? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Quint, tell me, uh, are you buying or selling that Robbie's 175 is the normal, uh, or is he going to be an underperformer the rest of the season? Well, he took a very Belichickian approach, and he benched Aaron Rodgers after a terrible week one performance. Um, no faith in Aaron's play uh, this last week. And actually, to... To speak to our classic Robbie issue, he picked the wrong quarterback, even in this highest scoring effort of the entire league this entire season. Uh, Josh Allen had 16 points, and, and Aaron sat with 26 on the bench. He also had Tyler Lockett with 31 points on the bench. 
and uh, 24 from Mike Evans. So this could have looked a lot worse. Uh, Robbie could have broken 200 points if he played his cards right. And uh, I'm lucky to get out alive <laughs> and he not steal a player from me, frankly, uh, with that kind of score. Yeah, now if we do look across the board in your defense, George Kittle, we're still waiting to bust out. He gave you 5.7. Alvin Kamara, 7 on the nose. Um, also, A.J. Brown and your flex was 7.3. Your defense got you negative 1 points. Um, so, you know, Austin Eckler showed up. Russell Wilson showed up. Your receivers didn't do you a disservice. Um, but tell me, are you buying or selling the seven-point Alvin Kamara as the Alvin Kamara that we're going to see moving forward? I'm selling that he's the seven-point Alvin Kamara. Um, I think there will still be some big opportunities for him. And in particular, you know, they're playing New England this week, but I've got them with the Giants in week four, Washington in week five, a bye week in week six, which could hopefully clear up their head. And then they go into Seattle, Tampa Bay, which could be tough. But the second half of the season, Daniel, he's playing Atlanta, Tennessee, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Dallas, the Jets, back to Tampa Bay, then Miami, Carolina at the end, which could be tough in week 17 and a week 18 matchup against Atlanta. So I feel like if you can hold tight and keep your head above water, potentially I could see a lot more scoring from Alvin Kamara in the back half of the season if he stays healthy. Yeah, I think that uh, we've seen two extreme outlier games from the Saints as a whole and uh, two outlier games for Kamara as well. I don't think that they're quite the juggernaut we saw week one against the Packers. And I certainly think that they're a better team than the one that really just uh, got outplayed at all levels by the Panthers in week two. Uh, so uh, I definitely think that uh, if you can be patient and he doesn't get swiped from you or falls to an injury, I think he's somebody who's going to pay dividends. And I guess at the end of the day, you can take solace in the fact that you only paid $20 for him on draft day. 21, my friend. 21. There we go. Never forget. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think it's going to work out in that sense. Um and more importantly, I think we got to look at George Kittle. And the question, I think that's the big question, is like, is he going to be an asset or is he just going to be like every other tight end in the league? And I guess this week is the whole idea is that things are just going to hopefully even out, right? Like he's going to bust out on some games. And uh, same thing for an Austin Eckler or a DK Metcalf or a Keenan Allen. Like these people who are starters uh, in on their team should have uh, big roles in some games this season. That's what we expected. So uh, it could look up. Um, but in the in the long and short of it, dude, I was saying that it felt like about eleven twenty five in the morning. I realized that I was about to lose big to Robbie. And it, and I just took the shellacking all day long, and all the way into like Monday Night Football. So it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. But congrats to Robbie. Um, you know, it was a good game. But there were some better games in the league this week. Daniel, I feel like uh, Chase and Kurt were uh, playing each other. They were 
both one and zero going into the 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 matchup, um, and Chase came out on top, one thirty two to one seventeen, and that was led by Patrick Mahomes twenty four point per, uh, performance, um, which Travis Kelsey on the other side for Kurt caught with twenty three points. But other than that, it was a close competitive matchup. Uh, all scores scoring over ten points in the skill positions, except for Tyreek Hill five point nine. So, Daniel, um, do you buy or sell this return to earth from Tyreek Hill? Do you think he's going to have a lot of 5.9-point games, or do you think this is a really actually an outlier? I'm going to sell it for now. I think that if you watch the game and if you paid attention to what the commentators were pointing out, uh, Baltimore made a really concerted effort to double-team Tyreek Hill for the majority of the game. Uh, and with the Ravens taking Hill out of the equation, you saw Kelsey get a touchdown. We saw Robinson get a touchdown. We saw Mahomes really spreading the ball around the field. Byron Pringle, um, you know, Michael Hardman. He was really spreading it out because the Ravens focused on Hill. So, you know, I think each defense uh, week in, week out has to make the decision of uh, – you know, picking your poison when you go up against the Chiefs offense. So I think that that is kind of a blueprint for other teams where they're going to see that, uh, that double teaming Tyree kill maybe isn't the best method of defense. So, yeah, I think that Hill's going to be fine moving forward. Sweet. Um, because, you know, the gap that he lost by about 15 points um, is what we would have seen had Tyreek Hill hit his projection, you know, and scored 20 points, that would have covered uh, the gap for Kurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, this is an interesting matchup. Uh, when we take a look at Chase's historical matchup standings, uh, this is a matchup where Chase has really dominated it from a historical perspective. And so, you know, it's tough to see Kurt fall again. Um, but, yeah, I think that you have to take solace in the fact that Tyreek Hill underperformed, but it's somebody you can count on. Uh, we've seen Kurt make the switch from week two to week three, bringing in DJ Moore in in replacement of David Montgomery in the flex. Looks like it's paying off so far on Thursday night. Uh, across the board, uh, Chase took a page out of Quinn's playbook and put players in there that were going to score a lot of points. Uh, every player except for Jonathan Taylor broke 10. A lot of them broke 15 or higher. Um, so just a strong performance throughout the lineup for Chase. Um, nobody really busting out on his bench, but some players doing their jobs, getting points you'd expect from him, which is just to say that Chase has a strong lineup top to bottom, which results in him sitting at 2-0 and after two weeks. Right. And, I mean, if we look at it, if he played the Vampire last week, he would have beat him, correct, with the point total? Or no, no, he would have lost. Scary thought. Right? I'll haunt your dreams. Yeah, it's a scary thought. I forget, you know, we haven't um, talked about the nightmare that we almost had this last weekend uh, with you, Daniel. You put up 143 points. Absolutely. And you settled that by, by Sunday evening. Yeah, Quinn, there's nothing I want to talk about more than the marquee matchup of the week, except for our commercial sponsors, which we've got coming up right now. 
back with the marquee matchup of the week and Quinn, you talked about the nightmare that almost was in week two. That was a 169.4 to 143.14 victory for Smoking Jay Cutler over Stan Pyre. However, the final score doesn't tell how close that matchup truly was. Right, Quinn? Correct, Daniel. It was a tight tight matchup going into monday night football we weren't sure which way it was going to go because you had a 40 point lead yeah 40 point cushion going into monday night steven had two players remaining those players were none other than aaron jones and tj hawkinson and if you paid any attention to monday night's game you would have heard both of their names called out a lot repeatedly uh, Daniel. yeah yeah uh, Jones came away from the game with 41.5 fantasy points and four real-life touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson walking away with 20.6 fantasy points. Steven turned that 40-point deficit into a 20-point victory on his way to a 2-0 start. So Steven, after beating the Vampire for two years, is off to a hot start right now. On the other side of the table, myself as the Vampire, come close twice but close doesn't cut it in the season standings um so quinn uh tell me what do you see in the vampire team that's there to stay and where do you see adjustments needed to come away with a victory i feel like i think you need to be seen for a minute daniel um how it must have felt so horrible to watch your victory, a week two victory, an early season vampire victory to get your powers going just stripped from you by watching Aaron Jones score touchdowns repeatedly and to watch TJ Hawkinson get eight receptions and score a touchdown. How'd that feel? It was really tough, you know, tough because it, it felt like this lineup scored about as many points as they could have scored. Put up 143, really good score, led by quarterback Tom Brady's 29. Um, Mike Williams with 22 points. My defense got me 16. And, you know, when your defense starts getting you respectable numbers is when you start to believe. Um, Gronk, second week in a row with two touchdowns, 19.9 fantasy points. And so I just feel like, 
you know, some of these numbers are here to stay for these guys, but uh, some of these other ones, I just feel like are unsustainable. And so I just felt like this is really one of the best shots that I could have put forward this year. Uh, it would have been a number that was good enough to be three teams in week two. Unfortunately, none of those three teams were Steven. Uh, so, you know, uh, very few consolations when you're the vampire, you go back to work, search the waiver wire and, uh, put my best foot forward again. But, uh, yeah, it was a tough one to swallow I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, starting to plot, but, uh, vampire goes back in the coffin and, uh, we'll check the scores this Sunday. Yeah. I would say that it kind of felt like that was a big haymaker that you threw at us the first two weeks and we, we took it, weathered the storm. Yep. You know, uh, uh, I think that the added roster spot for every team um, really helped you guys build depth at running back specifically. That's one where I'm really struggling to find somebody that can uh, be projected for over 14 consistently. Uh, so hats off to you guys in drafting running backs. Uh, we've seen a pretty solid bill of health for the uh, top end running backs as well. McCaffrey excluded tonight. We'll see how long he's out for. Um, so we haven't had any uh, free agent acquisitions or, uh, you know, second stringers climb the chart and bust out. So uh, it's really uh, a lot like playing daily fantasy uh, and just doing it with the leftovers. So um, again, we're just going to roll the dice this weekend against Robbie and uh, see what the result is. Yeah, I think, you know, you had asked me a minute ago, Dana, where I thought uh, your team was going to stick and where it was going to stay. And I think that you're going to have to ride Mike Williams until he needs to go out of a starting lineup, right? You're going to see how hot that star is. Uh, if it's whether it's going to be a comet that comes back around or if it's not going to come back and pass with like a 22-point scoring effort uh, for the rest of the season, correct? Yeah, for sure. And I kind of thought about, you know, with him and Cortland Sutton, just kind of doing loose math in your head about, you know, with Cortland Sutton, you know, thinking about, you know, if I can see Teddy Bridgewater throwing 30 touchdowns, you know, say like 1.8 to two touchdowns per game, I would imagine that a fair share of those are going to go to Cortland Sutton, you know, and if Bridgewater is going to throw for 280 yards a game, I'd imagine that, you know, 60 to 80 of those are going to him as well. So, you know, I think that the target share and the opportunity is there. Same thing for Mike Williams. It seems like him and Justin Herbert have developed some solid chemistry. Williams is able to stay healthy. And, um, you know, we've seen him put together separately 10 touchdown seasons and thousand yard seasons. And I think this is just the year that both of those stats align. So uh, as much as I praised you guys for drafting really solidly at running back, I'm going to say that Mike Williams is somebody that really kind of slipped through the cracks from the wide receiver position. Was he someone that you were thinking was actually going to be a vampire sleeper for you? Hadn't really considered him either way. Somebody that I've dabbled with in past leagues, I do have in a couple of dynasty leagues. So somebody I'm familiar with, somebody that uh, I'm a fan of, but it wasn't somebody who's necessarily like a top target, like, please don't draft him. You know, uh, that would have been like, uh, you know, please don't draft Kyler Murray. You know, if I'm going to hope, I'm going to hope for the top. So, um, yeah, he wasn't on the radar in terms of uh, – 
seeing if you guys did draft him or not. Uh, but just, uh, you know, one of the top names in the waiver wire. And so somebody I, I trust week in, week out. So he can lock down that wide receiver two position, like you said, moving forward until he proves otherwise. Yeah, I mean, if we look at the free agency pool for the vampire who's exclusively able to use it, we've got people like Rondale Moore, Sterling Shepard, Marquise Brown, uh, not even on your bench, just sitting in the pool uh, available to use this Sunday. Um, are these people that you think that we missed on or that we just didn't have room for? Yeah, I think it's just a, a situation where there wasn't enough room and there's a ton of good wide receivers. You know, uh, we see more passing than ever in the NFL. And I think there, there's uh, never been more talent at the receiver position, probably uh, top to bottom than there is now. Um, so, yeah, it's just hard to take, uh, you know, say, say there's what, 30 teams, the top two receivers from each team, 60 wide receivers. Um divided by five teams you know you guys would have had to take 12 wide receivers a piece so it's just hard to get all of the fantasy wide receivers that are relevant um and so you know uh there, there's no rubbing your nose at any one specific name i guess um so maybe i'll back off of the mike williams stance a little bit um but yeah, there's just a lot of good wide receivers. The unfortunate part is you can only play three of them. So that's why I feel solid at the wide receiver position. I just think that we've got to shore things up at running back. Uh, and um, yeah, that's the big focus moving forward for the vampire. Right. It, it, I mean, is Cordell Patterson someone that we're going to see uh, uh, coming up against Robbie this weekend? He's been a hot hand. Yeah, you know, I just really think that the threshold scores I've seen from Henderson and Fournette, my current running backs, um, it's right in line with what their projections have been. Uh, so currently this week, 14.3, 13.6. Uh, I do think that that's a pretty reasonable expectation of what I can get out of those guys. So until I see somebody like Patterson, I think he was projected for about 10 this week. Uh, mm -hmm. Until I see that, you know, I, I need to see somebody – projected for high 14s or 15s uh, before I make the switch from somebody that's not currently on my roster. You know, on the bench, I've got Elijah Mitchell, uh, who's in line for carries in San Francisco when he's healthy. Uh, Kenyon Drake, who we've seen get a lot of passing targets in Las Vegas, and then Tyson Williams, uh, primary back in Baltimore. Uh, I'd like to see him get some more goal line touches. I'd like to see Drake be more effective in the running game. I'd like to see Mitchell be healthy before I move one of those three into Henderson or Fournette spot. Amazing, Daniel. Well, it was a tough loss for you. We were so happy to see this blow up from Aaron Jones and Hawkinson to just bring it on home uh, to, to steal the deal in a sense. But, you know, you almost beat him. And, uh, I think that takes us to something we should cover after the break. We're going to go over the QPC projections from week two and see what I think about week three coming up after this. From Westinghouse industrial presenting the world's smallest blower, the only USB powered leaf blower on the market, producing strong air power, 
an extra long cable for charging, no batteries required. This unit plugs into USB computers or charging adapters featuring an ergonomic design, which is rated for ages five and plus, small stuff, big fun from Westinghouse Industries. Hey, get off of there. Perfect for desks at home, work, or on the go. Simply twist and slide the tube into place and press the power button to produce airflow from the unit. Hey, what the world's smallest blower, Westinghouse Industries. Hey, get off of there. Never heard of it. And we're back, and Quinn, we've taken a look at the week two matchups, but one thing we haven't touched on is how the QPC projections fared across the weekend. So tell us, uh, remind us how we did in week one. I believe it was a 3-0 and clean slate, uh, and tell us how we're sitting after week two. Well, Daniel, it was an exciting week for the QPC projections uh, I was 3-0 and in week one. Week two, I came in, and I guessed as follows. I thought Chase, Steven, and myself would take victories last week, and I went 2-1. and one. I got it wrong with me. I'm 0-2 in the league, and I lost to Turd Ferguson 175-100. to 100. But I got Chase over Kurt correct, and I got more, more, more importantly, I got Steven over the vampire correctly. Yeah, and we've mentioned it several times before but robbie loves nothing more than proving the qpc projections wrong you were quick to point out that your projections did give robbie one win on the season and that that one win would come against you you just didn't think it would be in week three so in a sense your projections have still held true for robbie correct true i can still come back and beat him later in the year while he's uh on a losing streak and see this through the problem is, Daniel, is that I've got my QPC projections turning for the worst this week. Yeah, so Quinn, I'm going to take a step into the danger zone and list off the week three matchups, and then I want you to give us a breakdown of what you think's in store this weekend. Uh, we touched on it a little bit, but we've got Deacon Dorf 1-1 one one against 2-0 Jay Cutler. They've both got a Panther going in tonight's matchup. Uh, 2-0 Mr. Solo Dolo goes up against 0-2 Bonifex Trees. Then in the marquee matchup of the week, the vampire Stan Pyre, he's back, motherfuckers. And he's going head-to-head against Turd Ferguson with a 1-1 record. Uh, Robbie's projected to win by 10. Chase is projected to win by 1.8. Kurt currently is projected to win by a shade under 11 points. Quinn, tell us, uh, how does ESPN's projections align with your own? They don't align. Uh, Obviously, I've got a storyline in mind and in two fronts. Interesting. I've got a storyline in mind and in two fronts. (laughs) And in two fronts. Wow, wow, <laughs> oh my god in two fronts i've got steven i imagined christian mccaffrey staying healthy this season because honestly he'd been hurt in previous season and i thought maybe not this season but he goes down tonight as we record this podcast and i have steven pulling out a victory this week in the qpc projections over kurt okay so uh going 
with the two and O moving to three and O. We'll see if that's the case. Uh, the only other two and O contender in the league is Mr. Solo Dolo Quinn. He's going up against you this week. Tight matchup, according to ESPN. What does QPC say happens in this matchup? I think the exact same thing. Daniel, when I was making these projections, I remember I was talking to you, and I said out loud back then that I thought that looking at the week three matchups and where they were, who they were playing, I thought I had a chance at beating Chase's team, even though I think Chase has a better team than I do. Um, In a sense, it's his matchups. He's playing... uh, some good teams and I think he's got some other teams that are going to blow up uh, potentially his defense. Um, he's playing the, the Buccaneers defense versus the Rams that day. And I believe that the Rams could put up some points against the Bucks while my Steelers are playing the Cincinnati Bengals. I think there's an opportunity for them to hold score around 10 points uh, with some turnovers. Uh, so with that in mind, I see light in, in the end of these tunnels. You know, I think the Chargers are going to put it on uh, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs offensively and potentially put pressure on Patrick Mahomes uh, on the defensive front in some sense. So I, I'm hoping uh, that there could be some tough matchups for Mahomes, Nick Chubb, Stefan Diggs, and Darren Waller, uh, who's technically playing Miami this week. But I don't know. I think if it's a blowout win against Miami – I'm seeing uh, a lot of running that's actually going to come from Kenyon Drake, uh, one of the guys I despise. So I see a chance, and I have me winning uh, my <laughs> what I thought was going to be my second game, but hopefully it'll be my first game. Mm-hmm. And speaking of getting their first win, Stan Pyre 0-2 is in the marquee match of the week against Turd Ferguson. Uh, currently, I'm projected to lose to Rob by about 10 points. Neither of us have anybody going on Thursday night. Quinn, you called this week the danger zone for a reason. What do you think is going to play out between Robbie and myself? Man, I just think there's a lot of danger. I've got Robbie losing to the vampire this week after scoring 175 points in week two. I don't think he's going to score 175 points again. uh, And I think Derrick Henry is at risk. Okay. Well, Speaking of Derrick Henry, he is certainly one of the biggest names on Robbie's roster. Quinn, I know you made a tweak and added a little extra spice to your projections this year. Tell me, who would you expect the vampire to take from Robbie's squad if he does indeed emerge victorious? I've got him taking – I've got you taking Derek. Don't say the vampire. We're talking about you, Daniel. <laughs> All right? All right? Don't you fuck Just with me like that. Just a association, baby. Uh, I'm the good guy. Come on. I'm the good guy. Uh, uh, I don't believe that whatsoever. I think you got your eye on Derek Henry. Obviously, earlier in the podcast, you talked about the difficulty it is at finding a consistent 14 to 15-point score from the running back position. Um you know, Robbie's got people like Devontae Adams and Josh Allen, who would also be very appetizing bites to take out of his team. Uh, no less C.D. Lammer, Antonio Gibson. Um, but I think at this point in the season, you're going to go running back if you win and take Robbie's team. And this is why I see him going 1-11. I saw it as a chip on his shoulder to, to lose week one. 
I thought he was going to lose to me in week two and then fall apart in week three. And that's how you start the, the, the downhill effort. So if, if, if Robbie can defend and go two and two and one this week, uh, first of all, it's a great sign for the league. Second of all, he'd be breaking the QPC projections uh, at such an early stage in the season, an unprecedented uh, break. Yeah, interesting to note, Cooper Cup is uh, number two fantasy wide receiver going up against Tampa Bay, currently the number 31 defense against fantasy wide receivers. Kyle Pitts going up against the Giants, the number 28 fantasy defense against tight ends. And Aaron Rodgers going up against San Francisco. This one might be a bit misleading. Currently the Niners, the number 27 fantasy defense against quarterbacks. Quinn, uh, we've seen two different Aaron Rodgers through two weeks. We've seen two different kind of styles from the Niners en route to a 2-0 and start this weekend. Uh, what do you expect in this specific matchup of Rodgers against the Niners defense? Well, you know, I'm going to answer this question with a non-answer, Daniel. I think that this you is normally no- do, man. You <laughs> normally do. This is a this is a situation where again Aaron Rodgers finds himself in between the front office of the organization and what is available to the team and what the coaches want to do. It just not add. It doesn't add up um, for him. I don't know that in a vacuum, uh, Robbie would play. Aaron Rodgers over Josh Allen in this instance because don't remember uh, don't forget Josh Allen sits on the bench this week playing Robbie's defense the Washington defense now I brought this up earlier because I was I was unsure but the issue is that when you say well Robbie's got two defenses he drafted two defenses play the other defense and then he can play Josh Allen that's true but the issue is that his Colts defense is playing the Tennessee Titans who Derrick Henry is on his team as well. So Robbie drafted a starting quarterback and a starting uh, running back who are essential to his, his squad for the year, who during the week of the vampire are, are playing the defenses that he also drafted. So now he's playing basically a backup defense potentially, or at least not allowing him to play his best quarterback. He'd have to sit Henry or he'd have to not play a defense. And the issue too I point out that they're both playing at 10 a.m. on Sunday, these defenses. So I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is just the side result of, well, he's got this conundrum that he put himself in in the draft. I saw this, and I projected the idea, like he's, he's not even getting the opportunity to play his best situation regardless of who they're playing because he's got these de facto like fallback issues with who his defense is going to play and then potentially losing points while his starting skill players are gaining points. So – you know, it's it's really confusing, and Aaron just yeah. sees himself starting today. Yeah, you uh, you ex- you kind of explained this to me earlier, and I'll admit I don't know that I would have mapped things out that far uh, to catch that. It is kind of a, a precarious situation, uh, but kind of an unlikely one. But at the same time, I'm still going to shame Robbie for it. Like Robbie, what the fuck? You should have thought in advance. You should you should have mapped this out. You're going against a vampire, bro. 
it would have been a two level consideration. There's the first one is like just the number, like what the bye week is. And then the second thing is you'd look at what your matchup that week is with the vampire. That's, that's pretty in depth. That's just, that's harder to do because now you're looking at every single player you're going to play. Yeah. With. I just never yeah. looked at the defense like weeks, you know, I would look at the defense <laughs> by week, but I never looked at like the week to week who they were playing when I was drafting and thinking about going against the vampire. So yeah, you know, that's just, what. Oh, sorry. Know, no. Uh, I, hope I you attempted to do that this year. Separates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, if you need uh, proof that you didn't need to do it, I didn't do it, and I it got me the championship. So. Right. Yeah. I don't think I was just trying. You know, when I make these projections out, I'm trying to use as much information as I can, just based on. Oh, like, for the sake of the projections, yeah, it's a hell of a call. Hell yeah. A, uh, that's impressive that you spotted it. Yeah. I almost wish I did that pre-draft so I would have had these type of answers. <laughs> I might have I might have had a more specific clientele I was like trying to auction off. Um, so maybe that's something I need to try out in the open next year and say like, hey, I've done my due diligence. And I feel like, you know, the third level, Daniel, is what time they play. If you can get that yeah. TV schedule. Yeah, it's just funny when you called it 10 a.m. because, you know, uh, the majority of the league participants are in the central time zone so oh it starts noon. after church right yeah bingo yeah it. well my church starts at 10 a.m out here in california so sunday service is that a kanye reference that is a kanye reference okay um but uh all right so like we said stan's projected to lose by 10 to robbie but it's anybody's game in that matchup bonifex trees tight matchup against mr solo dolo 136 to 136 and change uh and the tide is ever shifting for deacon dwarf currently 20.6 points from dj moore now projected 149.4 to stevens 133 we could see a 2-0 and titan fall early in the season um also the owner of the three tour de vampire jerseys so uh, it's anybody's race, so to speak. Um, but this race, as far as the podcast, is getting close to the end. Quinn, what else did you want to touch on uh, in tonight's edition? This is the Vampire Journals Podcast. Now, as Anna's boat rack biz is on the verge of going international... Love gets in the way. Coming this winter, starring Reese Witherspoon and Chad Hemsworth, Coat Rack 2. I'm a first take kind of guy, Daniel. Coming this winter, Boat Rack 2. Fuck! And we're back. And Quinn, the first thing I want to take a look at is the week two results from the Ray Lewis League. Uh, 12 members, six winners each week. You have yet to be one of them in one of the most heartbreaking matchups of the week. You are felled by uh, Team Kit and Cousins in a close matchup. Uh, excuse me. Wait. Oh, wow. None of that was true. You got slaughtered by Cross-Eyed Dilfers, who advanced to 2-0. and uh, Quint. Tell me that loss was probably a lot more memorable for you than it was for me. Uh, but uh, 
What's it like having to weather the storm and another shaky start to the season? You know, it was just really tough. I had put this out on the message board, but I've played the two highest scoring teams for the first two weeks each. Uh, and that's just not a winning, you know, winning formula to go by this season. Um, I've got the worst defense in the league averaging, uh, um, over 150 points a game allowed and I have allowed 308 points so far. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good fit for my team. Um, I would like to point out though, that I, I would have beat most of the league this week if I didn't play them. And that was the same case, um, last week. So I'm just hoping that I can get a chance to play someone and put up another 120 points or, you know, whatever I scored in, in week one and try and get a win, but no, man, it's not looking good. Yeah. Tough start. You know, um, Austin Eckler has been a little, a little underwhelming so far this year. We talked about it off camera, but uh, not really getting the usage we might've expected out of him based on past performance. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, another rocky start to the season to say the least. Um, so you're having tough luck from your keepers, but you got a couple of uh, really solid wide receivers, balanced roster. Uh, you got to turn things around, but you're going to have to do it quick against a team in Team Kissing Cousins that uh, is really coming out of the gates hot. Got a victory in week one, was felled in a close matchup to last season's champion, Johnsonville Champ, last week. But Sam's coming into week three, one and one. Going up against an 0-2, this train is bound for glory. Quinn, you're currently projected to lose by five points this week. Tell us how important this matchup is and what you've got to do to beat Sam in week three. I mean, I think this is make or break for me, and I pulled out all the stops, you know. I, uh, I made a trade, and as of this date on Thursday evening, it's going through. Um, and uh, if I can win this week, next week I'll be able to play someone on Sam's team, Mike Williams, uh, who's currently fifth in the fantasy wide receiver rankings. And uh, I got like a crazy trade that, you know, is uh, going through. And, <laughs> and uh, that might just be the savior of my season. Yep, you know, we've seen it before, but a uh, minor tweak to the roster via trade can really be the jump start that a squad needs in this keeper league. Um, let's move on to another week two matchup. Uh, I want to take a look at... Let's take a look at another week two matchup. I want to take a look at Derek Babb's squad, Team AF versus Stephen Fox, Purple Rain. Uh, Derek came out with a 10-point victory, 118.9 to 108.6, and took him to 2-0 and in the process. Steven sits at 1-1. One and one. These are two teams that have been at the top of the standings year over year. Uh, what did you learn about these two squads this past weekend? I think we learned that Steven's squad is thin in the sense that his bench scoring uh, minus Jalen Hurts, who is his backup quarterback this last week, scoring 22. Uh, the rest of the team combined 
scored 26 on the bench. So uh, his 108 points that he scored uh, with his starters, um, I think, is a big sign that uh, he's going to run with these guys that he's got right now in his starting positions. And if you can beat this squad, you can beat Steven. I think that's what that proved uh, this weekend. But to speak positively, he's got TJ Hawkinson, who for me has been not like I, I didn't expect him to have that many passes thrown to him by Jared Goff. You had mentioned before we started the podcast, Daniel, that he basically threw to like two guys um this this game so you know what are you gonna do yeah it seems like steven's all in on hawkinson this year he has him in the vampire league as well and we'll get to that a little bit later um but uh you know you can see underwhelming performances from dk metcalf uh lackluster start for washington running back antonio gibson and so you have Steven uh, maybe a bit inadvertently is using the stars and scrubs approach where he's getting big scores from some players uh, to make up for a lack of scoring from others. Now, if we look across the table at 2-0 Derek Babb, uh, standout performance from Christian McCaffrey, who's been tethered to Derek for a while. Uh, Mike Evans busted out of a week one funk with 21.5 points. And he got just enough everywhere else uh, to come out with a 10-point victory there. Uh, what stands out about 2-0, Derek, to you? It's the fact that he's got some 20-point scoring this week, I think, was his big win. You know, I had been talking the tight end position for Steven and not saying the whole battle was won or lost here, but um, an interesting part about it is that Steven held serve uh, with TJ Hawkinson and then Tyler Higby scored 0.5 points. So um, I see maybe not the most balanced scoring effort from Derek's team, but I think that this is going to be a great one going forward. Someone like Alexander Madison on his, on his bench potentially could score um, uh, be like an alternative to Kareem hunt in the flex, like later on in the season. And uh He's got DJ Shark and Kenny Galladay who could develop. And Devin Singletary put up 16 points from the bench just this last week. So I think he's got a lot of people that he can rotate into his flex position behind Keenan Allen and Mike Evans and Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon. So with that, I think he's got an opportunity to to jump ahead. But Tyler Higby's got to like really actually be a, a, a tight end in this league and show up. But I never know if he is going to do that or not. So. Yeah, really, uh, a really, really high-end boomer bust tight end in the sense that you can get you two touchdowns one game, then you don't even know that he's on the field for the next three or four games. Um, but yeah, you know, Derek's squad is a team that's capable of putting up a lot of points, but a lot of volatility there. So the 2-0 start is well-deserved. Interesting. Daniel, what's the next game we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Quinn, so for this next game, uh, I want to point out two teams that probably don't get a ton of coverage here on the podcast with the primary reason being that I've never met either of these two competitors. Uh, I'm talking about Jay Moneybags, Justin Simpson versus Sandusky shower, Kyle Russell. Uh, Quinn, have you ever met either of these two dudes? I don't believe I have. <laughs> okay. That's perfect. Because what I want to do for this next segment is basically each of us is going to uh, spiritually embody one of these two teams and uh, we're going to uh, present the argument for our team as that person. 
I have a coin. Would you like me to flip it? Well, I was going to say, since I'm throwing this on you, I will either give you first pick, or if you want to flip this coin, let's leave it up to the gods. Yeah, let's flip a coin, Daniel. Um, I'll call it, since I can see it. Uh, uh, this gives me that's, complete control. That's really <laughs> yeah, I respect that. All right, so I'm going to call right. Tails. Call it on three. Three, two, three. Call Tails. it. It's heads. Okay. All right. All right. So you pick. So uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be Justin Simpson. Okay. And then uh, that means you're gonna be Kyle Russell. So let me uh, get into the. Uh, can you give me a brief backstory? Did uh, is Jay Moneybags ever won the league? Yeah, Jay Moneybags is 44 and 78 all time. He's had one winning season. Uh, his highest finish was fifth place in 2012, and he lost the consolation title in the consolation bracket in 2017. But the big point of emphasis is in 2018 and 2020, Justin Simpson was an odd man out of the playoffs, finishing six and seven, but not making it and entering the consolation bracket. In 2019, he defeated the champion from 2018 in the regular season and his 11th place finish in 2020 uh, led him to finish in our all-time power rankings at 12th with a 36% winning percentage. So here we go. I'm getting in the zone here. Uh-huh. Right. And I, let me, I'll do Kyle while you're still getting in the zone. So Kyle is 61 and 61. He was the 2012 champ the same year that Justin Simpson finished fifth. And he's got a second-place finish in 13 and fourth-place finish in 2015. He's got a 10-win season the year that he finished fourth. And he's had one winning season since the Trump era. And he finished 10th place last year. And this is the first year that he's entering the league as a 500-ball club. We also heard that special report about Justin Simpson earlier this season. What's up, fools? Justin Simpson here. You might remember me from 2012 when I came in fifth place or when I lost that bullshit six and seven tiebreaker back in 18. I'm here to tell you I might be one and one after the uh, week two matchup with Kyle, but I'm feeling real strong about my team this year. CD Lamb busted out week one he's coming back for more week three travis kelsey's bringing it every week brother justin herbert miles sanders these are young players we can grow with for years so i'm telling you now jay Moneybags, it's gonna be sitting there at the top of the table at season's end well i gotta tell you sandusky shower here kyle russell we're coming off of a tough season and i gotta tell you one of my favorite players that i've got my soap on a rope this year has got to be aaron jones he's 38 points last game took us to victory as we beat jay Moneybags down and i gotta say my team's just gonna be built all around him i've got someone like darren waller who's gonna blow up at some point this year uh you're just gonna be able to whip a towel at that guy and get him out there for a touchdown anytime you want. Someone like Corey Davis is a no-nonsense, not-going-to-say-anything kind of player, and I like that. And uh, my final big sadness is that Raheem Mostert uh, left the team uh, this year due to an injury, and we're sad to see him go. It was uh, 
hush hush we're not going to talk much about what happened there but uh we're going to move on without him but i tell you what we got to win this week and we're going to win next week awesome so it's really cool to uh get justin and kyle in the studio to give their firsthand perspective on their squads this season dudes it's really cool of y'all to stop in the uh, studio and uh, hopefully we'll talk to y'all again later on in the season yeah thanks i had a a lot of fun times here next time uh, you want to hit us maybe even right after a game uh we can shower up and uh have a conversation can't wait for it all right well quinn uh let's go ahead and uh jump from the week two matchups to a quick look at the season standings through like two weeks it. Uh, we'll touch on a couple of squads we didn't really uh, glaze over in the week-to-week matchups. So early returns after two weeks have two teams sitting at the top of the standings with a 2-0 record. Cross-eyed Dilfer and Derek Babb each at 2-0. Uh, Quinn, then we've got a log jam of eight teams with a one and run record in the middle. And tell me about the two teams sitting at the bottom of the standings there. Well, the two teams sitting at the bottom were last year's runner-up, Andy Martin of Siren House, and your host, Quinn Carson, this train's bound for glory. And uh, we're sitting both at 0-2, the only teams without a victory in this league. Uh, I think it speaks to the competitiveness of our league and uh, just how uh, quickly you can climb and how hard it is to, to get back up sometimes. But that's the two teams we got. Um, Quinn, I want to uh, let me, uh, yeah, you cut me off earlier. Well, uh, yeah, you me yeah, this time. one for one, right? So, Quinn, we've spent a fair amount of time on your team so far. Let's so let's take a quick look at Andy's roster and see what's uh, taking him down this own two pass so far. Yeah, I'm sorry, Daniel, just to spend so much time on my team. I just, you know, it's just, it's been, it's, it's been so hard, you know, um. I just want so much. It's okay. And uh, my wife left me. Oh, my God. And uh, I have no one to go to. I didn't even know Kathy was unhappy. You know, uh, we're always just talking about all the good things that Karen and Katie do on this podcast. And the other Katie. Don't ask us who the other Katie is. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, Kathy was just mad that, you know, she was, like, not a part of the K-Club. You know, she just wanted to be... Uh, all right, that. well, due to time, that's all all the time we can spend on Andy's team. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so, Quinn, uh, let's take a look. Andy's got Tom Brady, currently the number two fantasy quarterback jonathan taylor kenny drake at running back stefan diggs robert woods at receiver mark andrews at tight end and alan robinson in the flex not a bad squad for a 12 team league uh but there are clearly a couple of names that stand out uh from a substandard performance perspective jonathan taylor has not been as advertised so far currently the number 21 fantasy running back. Robert Woods also has gotten off to a stumble of the start, currently the number 45 fantasy wide receiver. Tell me, uh, with a thin bench uh, looking on the outside in, 
What, what do you think are Andy's chances of making the playoffs this year after a runner-up finish last season? You know, I don't know if Andy and I are going to be able to dig ourselves out of an 0-2 start. I want to say that the odds of us making the playoffs go down exponentially with every loss after this, you know? Um, if 6-7 and seven gets you into a tiebreaker situation... And to say that we're only going to lose five more of those games is tough to say. So, I don't know. There's a sense of urgency around your week three matchups. Is that what you're saying here? Yeah. Another argument is that a bunch of people call for evening out of of statistics. That's other people's explanations. Like Robert Woods has been... to the mean. Yeah, Robert Woods has been grossly outperformed by Cooper Cup, but supposedly that should average itself out. It shouldn't be a complete Cooper Cup show all season. That's not what was projected, and that's not usually what plays out in, like, the physical realm. Uh, Same thing for Stefan Diggs. He's underscored. Supposedly, uh, Buffalo is coming into a better part of their schedule, whereas on last year they had an easy schedule. This year it's been a tough one, and now they're getting into more, like, downhill running. So, you know, these people could go up. Kenyon Drake is going to be starting again. So, you know, another week um, in more of a a number one running back role could make it possible. I personally uh, despise Kenyon Drake. Um, So I, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. But all these people could overperform or at least meet their projections. And if they meet their projections, then Andy is, you know, set to score over 110 points, which could be a winning uh, recipe. Yeah, Andy this week is in a matchup pitting himself. Sorry. Yeah, Andy this week has a uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, Andy this week has a rematch against last year's league champ, Tristan Weaver. They are currently in a gridlock, both projected at 111 fantasy points. So that will be an interesting one to keep an eye out on this weekend. Uh, Another team I want to take a look at that's in the cluster of one-and-one teams is my opponent this weekend. I'm talking about none other than Hud the Stud. Uh, Currently sitting at one-and-one. He is projected for 116.7 points this week compared to my projected total of 120.5. Quinn, if you take a look at that matchup, tell me what you think is going to play out here uh, in this battle of two one-and-one teams. You know, looking at, again, the bench, it's just a 12-team league is just a different, thinner bench than what you might be used to if you play in a smaller league. Um, I see a, I see a potential for Zihud to win this game if, he, if his players have blow-ups because of pressure built up from games the last two weeks of them not having one. Alvin Kamara has yet to kind of go off. Can he get off against the Patriots this weekend? Uh, same for Kyle Pitts. And in a sense, Patrick Mahomes uh, is going off, and can he complete that or even go for something crazier against the, uh, the, the Chargers? So those three players could get him 80 points very quickly, right? So if that happens, Daniel, you got a huge hill to climb. Yeah, but those um, players can get <laughs> off in the blink of an eye. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, you've got someone like Cooper Cup, Cortland Sutton, uh, Sutton, who's playing without Jerry Judy now, 
and Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott, who are all starting to come more into form and hopefully the playbooks uh, align more for them. So, you know, you've got a great squad. If I said floor versus floor, I think you win. Um, but if ceiling versus ceiling, it's potential that Z-Hud could explode because he's got people like Patrick Mahomes and Alvin Kamara who scored six touchdowns like, you know, like Aaron Jones scored four this last week. Um, Alvin is capable of that too. I, I don't know if he'll do that against the Patriots. Uh, I don't think he will. But um, I think there might be enough scoring to make this one of the best matchups of the week. Yeah, it looks like uh, Zihad made a move on Sterling Shepard, who's been outstanding so far for the Giants. Uh, so far, he has rejected Quinn's trade attempts to acquire Atlanta tight end Kyle Pitts. He has the questionable Daryl Henderson running back for the Rams with a rib injury, currently sitting in the flex spot. Uh, Henderson is unable to go. He's looking at the likes of Jamal Williams, Marquez Callaway, Brian Edwards, Terrence Marshall, or Michael Carter to fill the void in that flex position. Uh, on the other side of the table there, I currently have a couple of players with, with a red question, uh, with a red cue as well. Dalvin Cook missed practice on Thursday. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins also listed as questionable rib injury. Uh, so hopefully those players are good to go this weekend. Yeah, how and are you feeling? Um, well, I, you know, I'm having to make up for, uh, poor talent in the tight end position. And fortunately that slack was picked up last week with the likes of Courtland Sutton and Cooper cup. And I think I'm going to buck a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, you were talking about Robert Woods and his numbers improving. Uh, and I think that they will to a degree, but I think there's going to be so many so many pass attempts out there in Los Angeles that I don't think Cooper cups targets, or I don't think they're going to decrease as we move along in the season. I think as long as he's healthy, uh, we're going to see this type of uh, connection between him and Matthew Stafford. So I think currently that's really uh, one thing that's helping to buoy the roster in the short term uh, while people like Zeke Elliott and others are able to figure it out. So it's going to be a tight matchup. I think it's two good teams. Um, but as long as I come out this weekend healthy, um, I think that my team's going to be in okay position regardless if I win or lose. Well, Daniel, I feel like we've checked it out. You know, we looked at the final standings and do we have any people climbing up the power rankings for this season about who might finish in the top? Or do you think we're standing pat with uh, cross-eyed Dilfers and anal fissers sitting up there at 2-0? and Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about both those teams, and I think that they, uh, they've got top-end talent. So, you know, we just haven't seen a lot of sleepers emerge because a lot of the star players have been healthy through two weeks. So until we see a couple of injury dominoes, uh, I think the teams with strong starting lineups uh, are going to continue to sit at the top. And, you know, you talked a lot about bench depth for some of these teams, and uh, that has not been something that has proven to be essential so far. So we'll see how long teams can stay healthy, and we'll see how teams are impacted by bye weeks going forward. But for now, I see the standings as a pretty, uh, pretty fair reflection of how the league's played out through two weeks. 
Well, you know, I'm always looking at the playoffs. And so we've got six teams making it right now. The bottom three teams right on the bubble would be uh, sorry. <laughs> the bottom three teams that would be right on the bubble would be yourself, Daniel, Stephen Fox, and Z Hud the stud. So we talked about your matchup this week. Do you think there could be some playoff implications even in week three between you and Z Hud? No. Um, no, still too early. And they're two strong teams. So uh, the cream always rises to the top in the end. So as long as uh, the loser of this week's head-to-head matchup between us, again, as long as the roster stays healthy, uh, both of our teams, I like their shots at making it into the playoffs. I hear you. I hear you. Um, Real quick, five-second thought. You think uh, Chase knocks off Sandusky Shower this week? Uh, can you, yeah, who goes to two and one there? I'll say that uh, I got my boy Sandusky Shower. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you're like how okay. you know you would have thought my boy was Chase, but not this uh, time. I know, right? Also, well, we do have a little bit of a uh, head start. DJ Moore sitting at 13 fantasy points at the time that we record this, so. Uh, I just like the potential for him to break out tonight and give Sandusky shower a head start going into the weekend. Yeah. Six receptions, hundred yards, no touchdown yet. So if he scores a touchdown, it could be a 20 point game from DJ Moore. but I, uh, I'll put my nickel on chase this week. I think that Jamar chase scores a touchdown and I think George Kittle uh, scores a touchdown. And I'm going to even put my money and say that Josh Allen uh, and Nick Chubb get rushing touchdowns. So I think he's going to have a lot of touchdowns on his side, and that might buoy his score enough. Outstanding. Well, coming up, Quinn and I are going to spread more misery about our terrible losses in the fantasy season. Then more coming up after this. Yes. 